0: Just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Jeremiah, this week, this program, I want to talk about something that's very near and dear to my (laughs) heart. (laughs) Because I'm getting older, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a lot older than you, but I've been in this business for a long time. So I've seen Clients go through transition, and so we talk about how long people are going to live. And of course, yeah. a big part of what we do for planning is to kind of be interpretive of that. We're not, we are not—we don't really know exactly what people are going to live, but we put out. So what are the different aspects yeah. that we want to talk about? I mean, we talk about life expectancy.
1: Yeah, I mean, we... aging is a huge topic. It and is. when everyone, someone looks at retirement, that's the, that's the big question mark that nobody has a good answer to, is to say, how long are we going to live? If you're only going to live five years after retirement, that planning is probably pretty easy for most folks. If, if they say, well, I might live 20 years. Okay, that's normal retirement. Most people think of 30 years is what people based on. But we're talking today, and one of the things we're talking is the life expectancy. Right. What, what do you expect to live to? But the new piece that p- people may not know on the radio or on, on the podcast is your longevity risk. And longevity risk is the percentage p- potential that you would live beyond that. Right. Um, and it, it, it's going up, like it's getting higher. So the life expectancy, most people may know it's a little different for men and women, but generally 77 years in the U S. So most people can expect to live to 77 That, and people take that life expectancy and they run with it. However, however that's not there's the, always a story. however, right. And you know, the way that's calculated is they say, if there was a baby that was zero today and they take all the different life expectancy, if that, continue for the rest of their life, that's how long they'd expect them to live, a a baby. And there's a lot of things that happen in young childhood, um, early adulthood that change that. And that's
0: longevity risk, right?
1: Yeah, well, I guess that's the life expectancy to 77. So now the longevity risk, here's one of the statistics, if you've made it to 65, you know everyone from zero years old to 64 don't matter anymore. (laughs) Like you're now at 65 and say a married couple, good health, doesn't smoke, their chance that one of them will live to 95 is 46%. So and, it's almost half. And 50-50 chance that one of them's going to make it to 95, which most people we talk to are not expecting 95. That that seems much further. But, but if you've already made it to 65, then the likelihood, if you're healthy, of leaving till 95 is fairly high in my mind. Yes. Um, and when we look at planning to say, uh, we have a number of folks who will say, well, I'm only going to live to 85. That's fine. Let's just plan to that. And that's, we have to push back on that. To say that could be plan A. <laughs> plan A might be 85. Yeah,
0: and my comment to clients is that everybody underestimates their life expectancy. Everybody thinks they're going to live less than what, in reality, on the averages, what people actually yeah. live. Those, yeah,
1: because the, the averages that you see in the life expectancy are not um, good measures, I don't think, right. of what you're going to do. And, and the other aspect that, that is the hard wild card is you know, we've had clients who will have a heart attack that you know two decades ago, that, that would have been the end. You know, mm-hmm. they just wasn't the medical abilities to save them. Whereas today, with modern medicine, they have an operation and they survive, and they have another ten healthy years. I've
0: got clients who have had heart transplants who have lived well beyond the transplant and much longer than what they thought they would live. Yeah, and I think they not only surprise themselves but also their 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 family and friends.
1: And yeah. so, so the question is, how do you how do you plan for that? How do you you know look at right. your own life from a, a financial sense, but also just a um, social sense, you know, right. staying active. One of the things that was interesting in the financial side is folks who are 65 in our country in the US, um, 18% of them are are their primary source of income is Social Security. But that's not ideal. So with 18% of folks
0: And that's and that's below poverty level.
1: Yeah. For probably, most people. Yeah, very likely. And then the next step is by 80, it's now 33% of folks are living their primary income, 90% of it is from Social Security. And that swing to me tells me that that people between 65 and 80, a number of these folks ran out of assets. Right. They ran out of other support. And people say, well, my house is a safety net. It, it probably is. You know, they say, I have this other account. But those items only last so long. And a lot of the planning that, that is, is interesting is most folks in life, their income in retirement is a men- mezzanine of items. Mm-hmm. It's part of Social Security. It's part of savings. It's part a of- pension,
0: They have a small pension or whatever it is. Those yeah. kinds of things,
1: in pension. They might rent out a room to somebody. Right. Like, there's lots of different streams of income, and using those all together to say, "What's my life look like?" But I think it's a really important conversation. We talk about planning of you know, do we want to take someone to 90, 90 years old? Do we want to take them out to 100 years old? Do we want to build in long term care, knowing that the the last stages of life can be expensive? And I would say, I don't know, it's the number one, but one of the very top priorities of folks is not to run out of money or be a burden on their their family.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the most common comment is yes. I, I don't want to be a burden to my children
1: yeah and it may be a very american thing i'm not, I'm not sure if other yeah, countries are saying, but we, we, we primarily deal with americans so. yeah
0: because you go in different cultures the parents expect the children to kind of step in i mean that's what chinese the chinese are doing right now they're having yeah. a real difficult time because they're now living through the the one child problem and that's that's becoming a cultural issue but for us in america the common response mm-hmm. is from our clients is that i don't want to be a burden to my children, yeah. And the question is, what does that burden look like, right? Yeah,
1: so, yeah and th- there will definitely be family interaction, you know, of of you know care. And you know, I I live in a I say a, a multi generational in the sense that my parents and my grandmother is still alive. They come over and they hang out with my kids. And you know, there's there's a, a multi generational. This is a beautiful dynamic of our family, and I really appreciate that. But it's not I'm not caring for them in a way right. that, that they wouldn't be happy with. You know, they 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 like the social aspect and not the financial aspect because they are self sufficient. I think for a lot of clients, it's how do you plan out your life and so what we're talking about today is, is is how do you do that I mean, if we know that the life expectancy for a lot of folks because of you know medical is is more than seventy seven years, it may be even be ninety years and there's this even this quote unquote risk that you may live to a hundred i mean yeah, um, you have you have an aunt and uncle
0: yes how, how old is he yeah,
1: he just turned a hundred years old and so uh, I
0: mean that's in your now again that's not your genetic yeah background but your aunt is what she's how old is she yeah
1: uh mid 90s and they're so. they're both active and spry and so and
0: 100 and 100 90s yeah, right.
1: so and i'm amazed you know and i'm sure people listening to have this as well like the difference in an 80 year old i know some 80 year olds that can barely move right other 80 year olds that they're going to yoga class they got swim class after this they're doing volunteering here and they're staying so active and probably that's life choices of of uh, part of what we'll talk about a little bit is the kind of the the social portfolio, not just your investment portfolio, but your social, like who are you having dinner with? Right. Uh, who are the people that are inspiring you? Who are you going on adventures with, even as you're aging? Um, not just in the consuming, entertain me, or let me take a fun trip, but what are you contributing to? You know? Yeah,
0: and there's been a lot of studies that have been done, starting with the Harvard study, went back almost 85 years, and they've kept track of a whole kind of a core group. And there is clear evidence that if somebody's life is constantly intermixing social. So mm. you're, you know, with family, friends, uh, volunteer work, uh, church, other other organizations, but they're always social. And there's clearly a longevity uh, aspect to that for mm. those people that are in that kind of mode. I mean, there's a higher percentage of those people. If you, like COVID was horrible for people because yeah. it isolated, isolated. them.
1: Isolated, yeah, loneliness and, and isolation. Yeah,
0: it was just, it was terrible. And they did see the death rate climb through that period of time because people just got depressed and they felt alone and and they weren't interacting with they couldn't interact with their family and friends. And it was just it was a horrible time for people in that two year timeline. Yeah. So again, the studies show that the more social you are, the more it will add to your life expectancy.
1: Right. And we have a hotspot locally over in the Redlands, Loma Linda area. Right. There's folks there who, you know, they make good choices with food, what they're eating, a lot of vegetable based um, eating, but also there's community and people who are active in social community right. and also making good health choices. It, it's amazing where we can go. So, being transition a little bit to say, okay, he, here's the issue. How, how do you plan for your retirement without knowing exactly how you're going to live? Right. So you got to make some estimations. But I think what kind of the comment I, I would bring to people is say, you need to plan a little longer than you think and there's a number of ways one is just have more money <laughs> but 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 there's some real ways to plan forward so you have and, some and, safety nets yeah and
0: a, and a big part of our client base is middle America i mean we're we do have affluent clients that have access but we also have a whole a whole core group of families and clients that we work with that i wouldn't consider them wealthy But we are working with them to make sure that they make the right choices. Like for example, delaying social security, working a little bit longer. It means we've done in the planning side of it. It makes a dramatic difference in the outcome. When we come in and we start testing that with like, like long-term care needs or healthcare delivery and such as that. Yeah. So
1: So the first one is we kind of talk through some of these solutions. One of them I think would be um, just the the social, let me start with that, the the work-life balance. You know, historically people, you get a gold watch, you retire, and you you go into the sunset and you're right off. But the reality for a lot of folks is that they want to keep working, and but they don't want to work full time in the same way. And so right. the the flexibility that we're having with work, a number of clients have come back on, they've, they've re- retired from their job, but they'll stay on as a consultant in some sort of capacity, or they will move to a part time or you know, partial time role. Um, we even had one through COVID that went remote and he was planning to retire. But now that he was remote, he's like, well, I'm, I'm getting to yeah. do all the things with my spouse that I wanted to, and I still work, but it's not overwhelming. And his
0: employer encouraged him to work because they were having difficulty filling the positions they yeah. needed, and they said, well, you continue. And we've got several that are in yes. that situation.
1: And so I think uh, one aspect is not to see your retirement as I have to get out of here. Right. I'm done. I'm pulling the plug. There's zero income from here forward. But to say, okay, what is my next transition? you know, what do I really want to do? And what can I spend my time doing in a way that's useful? So I think a a larger view of work that's not just retire and be done, but rather find a role that is really valuable.
0: Yeah, I call it that transition. And I, you know, we talk to clients about what happens when, and it's it's not necessarily a line in the sand, but what is that transition you're going to go to? I don't like the word retirement because retirement has a kind of a definitive end. Mm. It's like your work is done. And and I and I believe that the value of a person goes way beyond what I consider their productive years. Yeah. And it's how you change that productive years and you move it into something that is more um, you like it better. In other Mm -hmm. words, what you like to do, like working less, but you like your job. You know, I found like, for example, somebody who's been trained as an engineer. You don't want to send them into something that is completely the antithesis of that. Sure, yeah. You want to allow them to continue to do what they're doing, uh, yeah. but not under the stress and under the right. burden of that work.
1: Different capacity, uh, you
0: know. Anyway, that's
1: so. great. So work a little longer. The other one is expense management. We always work through budgets with folks of of kind of taking a hard look at their expenses and the things that they can eliminate before they transition, make life a lot easier. Talked about the social portfolio right. of who are you interacting with. You know, what is the joy you're getting? Um, another piece, and we'll talk more in the next piece, is um is kind of the the stock investing. There was an old rule of thumb that you take hundred years and you subtract your age and that's you know kind of your equity to stock position. So if you were
0: 70 years of age, you would have 70% of your portfolio in bonds and 30% of your portfolio mm-hmm. in Excuse me, seventy percent bonds and then thirty percent in equity stocks.
1: Yeah. Stocks, and it, it, that idea is, I, I think, getting an update. Yes, I think people are needing to stay in bond, stay in equities, stay in stocks more and longer. Uh, now the mix is different; it doesn't have to be high growth, you know, Amazon or Apple or things right. like that. But there's a lot of you know, dividend-paying, high-quality value stocks that still uh, achieve growth and allow a portfolio to keep growing. You know past your 50s and 60s and 70s, knowing that you may have this longevity. So you need to keep that growth mindset longer than people have in the past.
0: So anyway, when we come back, we wanna talk about how you structure your investment life and kinda talk about the overview because this is a real concern for our clients is how long are they going to live? And everybody has their view and opinion, but at the end of the day, the statistics are pretty overwhelming that you need to structure your life in such a way that your money will outlast you. 8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor,
1: clearing through TD Ameritrade member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. You
0: know, we talked about in the first uh, segment about, you know, the longevity versus uh, life expectancy, but basically what we want to talk about right now is the longevity risk. If you've reached a certain age, uh, the biggest issue going into retirement, or going into the latter part of your life, is healthcare delivery. Yeah, and most people misunderstand what's covered and what's not covered by their health insurance uh, structure.
1: Yeah, if someone's budget, you know, how much they eat, what their housing costs, all that is it, it changes, but right. it, it's 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 less variable. Right. You know, you can kind of forecast that out. Whereas your healthcare delivery and your healthcare costs, you know, some of it is, is an unknown, and you right. have to make some assumption. But some of it, the, the you know, even the Medicare, you know different parts of the plans, they can be expensive and it can, can be, be a significant part as you age of what the costs are going to be.
0: So again, I think I think what we want to talk about here is how do we overcome or how do we prepare? So obviously your capital that you build, the different sources of money, and in our planning, when we when we sit down with a client and do wealth management, what we want to do is kind of test the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we, we've kind of alluded to is that there's been a change Because people are living longer, and you no longer are going to the old standards of the, you know, you use your age and how much you put in bonds versus equities. What we're finding, if people reduce their position in equities it's going to hurt them uh, substantially in the latter part of their life, right. particularly if they have a healthcare, healthcare delivery issue.
1: Yeah, yeah. someone who's, and I think a lot of people know this. someone who's in their early 20s or mid 20s and they're investing for their retirement can be very aggressive to say right. you should be in mostly equities generally for most people. It needs to grow, you have a lot of years ahead of you. Well, by the time someone gets to 60, often they think, oh, that's not me anymore. I'm retiring, I need to be safe and secure. But if, if you're 60 and say you're going to live to 100, you may not know that, but that's the longevity risk, you're just barely past halfway. And to say, I have a lot more life ahead of me, I, I still need to have this growth mindset right, even into your 60s and 70s. And that can't be you know growth mindset at the risk of stability. And that's kind of what we're and talking there, about. And
0: there's different ways to do that. I mean, we've yeah. gone through in 2022, we've gone through a lot of volatility within the marketplace. But those people that had value-based stocks, value-based assets, dividend payers, they didn't experience the same kind of volatility that somebody had a lot of growth stocks in their more aggressive portfolio
1: structure, yep. right? That's right. And when you take the longer view, you know, someone who had growth stocks all the way through the pandemic and all the way through this last year, they've had a roller coaster ride. They, they've really, been up and yeah. down. But it would be interesting to see, but depending on each individual client, of, of whether they're better off or not. Right. I imagine a fair number of them are still better off because right. there's such growth in 2020 after the fall, you know, came way back. Um, and that's the long term view to say in the short term, it, it could be, you know, a, a scary aspect. But over the many, if you're looking at a decade at a time, you know, keeping a growth mindset is useful. But building in that, that security, and that, that's part, I guess, we want to talk about it a little bit. You know, most folks have, say, Social Security. Right. That's a, a benefit that they're not going to outlive. It's a continual stream of income, but they do
0: have control of when they're going to take it. Yes, and that has that has some very significant outcomes into their financial stability going forward. Yeah,
1: they were, if someone were to take Social Security early, and I wouldn't even say too early. So uh, sixty-two
0: is the earliest if you quit work,
1: yeah. and you have a significant. If you take it at sixty-two, you have a significant slice into and a reduction into what you're going to be receiving over the rest of your life. So people that either delay Social Security all the way to seventy, or people that take it at their full retirement age you know they're going to be in better shape in their 80s and 90s than someone who took it early. So that's one piece. One that that we have talked about a number of times here is annuities. Um annuities, you know over the last decade we've not done a lot of we annuities. We have, because
0: annuities are, are are very much impacted by interest rates and interest yeah. rates have been extremely low over the last 10 years. We've had a pivot though. We've yes. had a pivot starting last year. And we've seen now annuities are paying out better. They have a much better return for clients. And the fixed as well as the index annuities are uh, that provide principal protection, but they have a better outcome now. So these are something that we're taking a really hard look at right
1: now. And they don't fit everybody. I mean, I I love having almost like a a quiver of arrows, you know, to say, okay, I got an issue. I got a number of options to pick from that might deal with this. And for someone who is looking at this longevity risk and saying, oh, I have assets, I, I have a way forward, but if I live me or my spouse, we live past 90, 95, if we make it to 100, I I don't know what we're going to do. You know, there could be a, a, some key moments for someone to say, I'm going to pick up a couple of annuities that will pay out for the rest of my life, whatever that may be.
0: Yeah. And the timing of that is really important. Mm. We are not, um, I guess I, I want to be really hesitant because I, I have a tendency to be um, uh, against buying annuities too early. Mm. And the kind of annuities, high commission, uh, high cost annuities, I think are in your detriment. But there are annuities placement that makes sense. And they have like an income replacement annuity or something like that. But there's also a lot of products out there, annuities as well as life insurance, that have long-term care riders attached to
1: them. They
0: increase the benefit payout and you would be activated when in fact you have that. Now, if you didn't um, need it, in other words, you didn't have any and you you essentially died with the with the annuity, it's gonna be paid out to your beneficiary so you don't lose all that capital. But I think the design of the annuity or the life insurance product should be carefully looked yes. at. When do you put it in place and what's it for? Right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And someone in their 50s, you know, just as an example, like I said, every every situation is different, but someone in their 50s may be way too early for this. Right. It might be someone in their 70s and 80s that says, okay, now I, I see where we're at. I see what our longevity might be. We need to do some other planning to put build in a safety net. Um, so that's that part of it. And the other, I like the long term care writer you mentioned. There's also life insurance. It does yeah. the same thing. That folks will say, well, if one of us passes away um, between our 80s and 90s, I want the other, you know, to be able to continue on if if they keep living. So to have some life insurance could be useful. But to have a long term care writer there says that if if I haven't passed away but I need you know some long term care, my medical bills are going significantly higher. You can in essence have access to those life insurance funds. To use for long-term care and it's, it's another safety net
0: it is and again i mean our our whole discussion here is to set up a portfolio for our clients and to manage that portfolio so that they don't outlive it yeah and we have to be cognitive we have to be fully aware that life has things happen to you uh, and healthcare delivery is one of them uh, there's other aspects too but that's the most common one that really burdens the assets and the income that people have and it takes away their security at a time in their life when they really shouldn't be worrying
1: about security, right? That's right. When, and this, a big part of what we do is wealth management. So uh, often a broker will help you buy and sell a stock. Right. A investment advisor or financial planner will help you make a plan for your investments. Right. But then when you step into wealth management, it's looking at your whole life of saying, you know, your retirement assets, your savings, the equity in your home, your rental, your kids' lives, you know, annuities, insurance. It, it's this comprehensive view to say, this is your whole life. How do we put together a plan, you know, whatever it may be using all your assets that really works for you and gives you that security to say, I'm going to be fine and I can live the lifestyle and the the joy I want to if I live to 80 or to 90 or to 100 and kind of Build that in.
0: And I think I think we should flesh this out a little bit more on the wealth management because it's not just investment. It's how you structure yeah. your life. I mean, it goes beyond just budget control. But we want to build scenarios within our clients' portfolios that we look at the what if thing. You yeah. know, what happens if? Yeah. And we want to build a... Uh, an outcome that's realistic. You know, with, yeah. what is the cost of healthcare? And let's let's be really clear here. Healthcare costs are going up, not yes. only your premiums, but also the delivery of healthcare. And they were estimating right now about 5% a year. It was kind of on pause for a while during the pandemic, but now it's starting to escalate again.
1: But you combine that with, you know, these these healthcare deliveries expensive. And because the healthcare is getting so much better, they can keep you alive longer. Right. So now you have this battle of it's getting more expensive and you're living longer. And you know how long people are going to live in twenty years from now because of medical abilities may be surprising to a lot of folks.
0: Yeah, most and I've had people tell me, well, you know, I just I don't want that. But it comes down to it. What I've, I've experienced with forty years in this business is mm-hmm. life is very precious, and yeah. people want to hang on to life as long as they can. Um, and oftentimes they they will fight to the very end. Yeah. And it's you know their their life gives up, especially but
1: healthy life, and we're having yeah. more and more years of healthy life for people. So again, we've, we've had a lot of
0: discussion here. And if you'd like us to discuss more, we'd like for you to give comments. You know, go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com. Put in your comments or questions that you would like us to discuss on this program. Um, we really believe that what we do is valuable to our clients. It helps them to have a better and more satisfying and secure future. Until next week, folks. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary.